The Mouse and the Motorcycle, The Ghost at Dawn's House, The Indian in the Cupboard, My Side of the Mountain, The Magic of the Unicorn. Five books purposely selected for being written by female authors. Your favorite ignorant man-children are here to briefly discuss gender somewhere in the midst of the usual nonsense. That, and an experimental trivia game show segment, next, on Reliterated Reiterated. Chapter 2. Let's Talk. Welcome to Reliterated Reiterated, the episode where your favorite lowbrow book club discusses the last five books we read, cover what we missed, and discuss this latest chapter as a whole, as well as talk about whatever we want. This is our, our episode to just talk. As usual, we give you fair warning. We use language too mature for kids, analysis too immature for literary scholars, and ignorance too profound to be inoffensive to everyone. You can interact with us and enjoy all kinds of bonus content by searching Reliterated on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, and Facebook. Or you can ask us questions, suggest future episodes, or tell us what we've missed by sending us an email at reliterated at gmail.com, and we will read it on the show if we like it. My name is Andy, and when I was in grade school, my favorite game to play in the computer lab was Word Munchers. My name is Harold, and when I was in grade school, my favorite game to play in the computer lab was Oregon Trail, so pretty basic, really. And I'm Josh, and I have to agree with Harold on that one. I played a lot of Oregon Trail in the computer labs that we had, but in high school, we had better computers. And so the game that I really enjoyed in high school that we played on the school computers was Doom because it was <laughs> awesome. You got to play <laughs> Doom in school. So we had people at my school that were much better at computers than the quote unquote computer people at my school, like the, the tech people that would come in and try to take care of the computers. We had people that were better than them at computers. And so a few of them figured out <laughs> how to get Doom onto the shared drive of the entire school and Aww. then was able to install that game as well as another game that's similar to it, but it was like Magic. I can't remember the name Heretic. of it. That one. Heretic. Yeah, Heretic. Yeah. Heretic. So we had okay. Doom and Heretic on the school computer, and a <laughs> uh, there was a Super Mario clone. We had Wolfenstein. We had a whole bunch of these like super, super crazy games that you really shouldn't be able to play at school on all of our school computers. It was awesome. <laughs> so instead oh, of... Man. During typing class, when I should have been typing, I was actually, you know, <laughs> you were just using the WASD keys, huh? Yeah, I was. Tr I was getting. I was trying to own people, but I was getting owned mainly because I'm not good at first-person shooters, especially on PC. <laughs> so, how long did that last before the faculty moved in on it? Like, did they ever f get wise? They they knew it was there, but they couldn't figure out how to get rid of it because every time they took it off, it went back on. Hmm, I wonder why. Maybe it's because uh, the people at my school were better at covering up their tracks than, <laughs> than other people or something. But Well, yeah. it, not necessarily covering their tracks. The fact is they couldn't find the tracks in the first place, even if they knew yeah. <laughs> that there were tracks to find. Yeah, it was, it was pretty great playing those games, you know, before... I Man. had access to them because I didn't have a computer at home. I had a typewriter because, again, poor. <laughs> 
And I thought I was hot shit for being able to occasionally get onto Newgrounds.com to play play some Flash games from time to time. I did that as well. Got on some Flash games at school. I remember getting in trouble in high school. It wasn't me that got in trouble. I'm sorry. It was kids kids near me because they kept going to Whitehouse.com. Um, the first, the first time was an accident and every time after that was on purpose and they could get through the filters, but whitehouse.com is a little bit different than whitehouse.gov. Um, yeah. What's on whitehouse.com? Whitehouse.com was a porn site. At least then it was. Well, that makes sense. (laughs) Right. I mean, these were the Clinton years, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it was kind of just one of those things where they made it whitehouse.com so that, you know, when kids at school were searching for it, teachers wouldn't realize they could go back to the search (laughs) history and be like, oh, they were looking into the White House. How studious. These children (laughs) are the best. So civil minded. Civic minded? Civic. civic It would be civic. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Anyways, this is our uh, chapter two talk episode, and I thought it'd be a little fun to try a new segment that we are calling Andy's Asshole. Ooh, does it taste like candy? We're it's it's awful sweet. We're gonna <laughs> jump into Andy's Asshole, and we're gonna play a trivia game show with '90s trivia cards that I will pull out of this big old box of uh, 90s trivia that I've accumulated and I'm going to put you two up against each other and I'm going to draw the cards right now. I figure we're going to I'll flip a coin and whoever's first will get the first card all five questions on the card and if you don't know the answer the other player gets a chance to steal and I will keep points accordingly and we will uh, have a winner after two rounds. Unless it goes really fast and we want to do three. I don't know. Okay. I haven't finalized the rules of the game yet. (laughs) This is something experimental we're doing. It should go without saying, no bing allowed. Okay, no bing. Be fair. Oh, man. No bing allowed because there is also no Google allowed on this podcast. Ah, oh, that's true. But yeah, since they fixed their, anyways. they fixed their thing, so we can we can love Bing again. <laughs> there was this almost scandal with the Tiananmen Square image <laughs> being quote I unquote censored. I should have binged it, but I didn't. You, you got to check your sources. You got to find out if you're getting correct information. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't with as much as I reap on that or reef on that all the time. <laughs> it was one time. Usually Reddit's pretty good about that sort of stuff. Nobody fucking checks anything. They just post stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into Andy's ask hole. Uh Harold, heads or tails? Uh tails. Hey Siri. Flip a coin. It's heads. Alright, heads is the call. Okay. Ask Jeeves. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alta Vista. <laughs> <laughs> so that means that means Josh is going first. Yeah, I think so. All right. Yeah. Okay. This first card is from 1993. In the pink category, these these categories all have weird abbreviations. I don't know what they are. <laughs> like the pink one is O O P. The yellow one is W I R. I lost the key to these cards a long time believe, ago. <laughs> um. So. It's yeah, random trivia. Know. Let's go. Yeah. Random trivia. What Nancy Sinatra song did the FBI play at high volume in an effort to flush David Koresh out of his Waco stronghold? Hmm. Well, I don't know of any Nancy Sinatra songs. So let's go with, um, 
Wait, did she write? She might have sang These Boots Are Made For Walking. Let's go with that because I think that might be a song that she wrote or sang. These Josh. Boots Are Made For Walking. These Boots Are Made For Walking is correct. Ha ha! The one Nancy Sinatra <laughs> song I know. Yes. The, the, the only Ned, Nancy Sinatra song I know too, so. <laughs> I Josh didn't even know it was Nancy Sinatra. It's a good song. <laughs> to get David Koresh to surrender at Waco. And instead he burned everyone alive. <laughs> <laughs> Great job, FBI. Right. All right, second question for Josh. What gaming system could handle multiple players with a networking device dubbed the Catbox? Mm, the Atari? You're going to have to be more specific than Atari. Oh, the Atari. Oh, sh- mm. uh, let's go with Atari 2600. That is incorrect. Harold, do you know it Fuck. for the steal? The, the Atari? <laughs> You're going to have to be more specific <laughs> than the Atari. <laughs> uh, There's a lot of Ataris out there. I didn't know there were more than one. Um... I want to steal it back if I can. Atari multi-cat person box? (laughs) (laughs) The answer is the Atari Jaguar. I was going to say, I think it was the Jaguar, but I was like, "Ah, it seems too... I thought they had more than... I thought they already had four players on the the Jaguar. I've never heard of the Jaguar. That's because it's called the Jaguar. Whatever. Jaguar, Jaguar. Who cares? (laughs) So, Josh, (laughs) question three. Yes. What Tim Burton movie stars a character first seen riding atop Michael Keaton's hat in Beetlejuice? Mm. And I remind you, the year on the card is 1993. Was it The Nightmare Before Christmas? That's correct. The Nightmare Ah, Before Christmas. I I thought it was Jack Skellington up there. I never noticed Jack Skellington hanging out on uh, Michael Keaton's hat in Beetlejuice. I guess that would be Beetlejuice's hat. Oh, we're going to have to rewatch Beetlejuice. All right. So, it's, so wait, far, wait, that's two wait, wait, points. Wait. Night, before, Night Before Christmas didn't come out until much later, did it? But Apparently, it was 1993. A... Oh. Hmm. That is what was on the card. Maybe Beetlejuice was 1993. And then the, the character would make a later reappearance in The Nightmare Before Christmas. I guess. We'll bing it later. Josh, your fourth question. Actually, there's six questions on this card. I could think there were five questions to a Tribute Pursuit card, but there are six. Anyways, what did Salt Lake City's Summum Bonum Amon Ra offer to do to your remains for $32,000? Shoot them to space. Shoot them into space for $32,000. That is incorrect. Damn it. Harold, for the steal, what did Salt Lake City's Summum Bonum Amon Ra offer to do to your remains for $32,000? Mummify them? That is a correct answer. Ah, I should have known from Mum Ra. Damn it. Yep. <laughs> Mum Ra. <laughs> it sounded Not exactly like... what was said, but yeah. <laughs> it's it Mum sounded Ra, like basically. some mummy based. <laughs> I don't know how the Mormons would feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fifth question for Josh. What U.S. Indian nation was struck by a deadly disease dubbed unexplained respiratory distress syndrome in 1993? Mm. They did not cover this in Indian in the Cupboard. Yeah, I was going to say. Hmm. I have no idea. Mostly because Indian in the Cupboard was written before 1993. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in one of the later books in the series, but. At, oh, man. At this point, I don't even want to guess because I don't want to mispronounce any any names wrong. So I'm just going to say I'm, I i don't know. I don't. I, I have no idea. All right. Care to hazard a guess, Harold? 
threw me off when well, I said the word hazard. And then what was the question? The same sentence. Why would that do that, uh, Andy? That's weird. Why, <laughs> why would that name throw you off? Strange. Well, yeah, it's one of the, the hazards of the job. Mm-hmm. Harold, the question was, what U.S. Indian nation was struck by a deadly disease dubbed unexplained respiratory distress syndrome in 1993? Oof. Uh, is it the Cherokee Nation? Nope. Incorrect. That is the Navajo. Navajo. Okay. Well, I mean, I never heard the, uh, them say Navajo Nation. I've only ever heard people say Cherokee Nation. So, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, last question of the card for Josh. Yes. What hubby of a TV talk show host penned the football book, The Whole Ten Yards? What was the question again? I feel like it's a trick question, so give it to me again. (laughs) What hubby of a TV talk show host penned the football book, The Whole Ten Yards? Uh, Frank Gifford. Correct answer. Hubby of Kathy Lee Gifford. Yep. That is a point for Josh. Wow, I knew a lot of those. (laughs) Yeah, no, I realize right now that I'm about to just totally fail this because I don't know useless trivia. (laughs) And I know tons of useless trivia. You, with with like the perfect memory for actual things that happened? I don't like useless (laughs) trivia. I have good information in my brain. (laughs) Well, let's just see what you retained from the year 1999. All right. This this is going to be Harold's card. That was the year I graduated. Oh. Slash started college. So see how this goes. Yeah, when I say I like useless information, it's like, you know, I watch shows about quantum physics and know about wave function. And (laughs) like that's useless information for a person that does not work within the realm of science. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Let's see what you may have retained. So the first question, what WB television show rescheduled two violent episodes out of respect for Columbine victims? Oh, man. WB. In 1999, uh, was it Smallville? That is incorrect. Josh, for the steal. Um, I, I don't even know any WB shows. I didn't have WB. Right? <laughs> um, two guys, a girl, a pizza place? I don't know. <laughs> Nope. You've probably heard of this one. It is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I didn't watch it. Huh. I mean, I watched it, but I didn't watch it at that time. I watched it much later. Yeah, I I waited until later to to even start it also. But uh, it takes place in high school, and apparently high school violence, they uh, rescheduled some episodes for the happenings at Columbine. Hmm. And now it wouldn't even do anything. They'd just play it because there's a school (laughs) shooting every week, it seems. so. Right. (laughs) (sighs) Right. Anyways... Harold's second question. What research telescope was deployed on the first space shuttle mission commanded by a woman? The Hubble telescope? That's incorrect. Shit. Josh for the steal. Hmm. That that's the only one I was thinking of. And I know yeah, it's not the right? James Webb because that's coming this year. Is it though? Is it? They say that every year. I've been waiting for the James Webb for six years. Me too. But they opened up the things recently. But yeah, I don't know. And the correct answer is the Chandra. I I only know the Hubble Space Telescope too. So ah, the so Chandra Levy. Sure. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the third question on the card. What animated movie managed to squeeze three hundred ninety nine obscenities and one hundred twenty eight lewd gestures into eighty minutes? 
Oh, that is South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut. That is a correct answer. Yeah. The title itself is a, un- is a circumcision joke. Right. So <laughs> I never picked up on that. Yeah, yeah they got to no. pass the censors. <laughs> it, starts, it starts with one of my favorite songs of all time. Shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. <laughs> when, when that movie came out we convinced my dad to let us rent it and we sat there watching it and right and we were all laughing including him at that very first part of the movie and it got done he goes i don't know if we should watch this and i'm like dad <laughs> come on man we're old enough at this point i was like 16 or something he's like whatever <laughs> fine yeah like two more years and you'd be able to pay for going to see it in the theater right okay let's move it along fourth question what did breakaway foods call its line of push and eat tubular cheese and egg entrees on a stick uh disgusting <laughs> that's probably what i would have caused it called it to. <laughs> yeah i no way would i know what that is <laughs> Josh, do you happen to know? Uh, no. All right, the the, the line grossest push up. <laughs> yeah, the grossest <laughs> push up. <laughs> the push in and push out. <laughs> they were called incredibles. Oh, uh, very clever. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we so, totally keep so the, clever. It, it was a future food. We're totally eating those constantly these days. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, everyone's still eating Incredibles. For sure. All right. Two more questions on the card for the first round. What star of Life is Beautiful director welcomed Bill Clinton with a bear hug on a visit to Florence? A director, did you say? Yeah, it was the director and star of the movie Life is Beautiful. (laughs) Welcomed Uh, Bill Clinton with a bear hug on a visit to Florence. I'm dancing, by the way, because I know this answer. Okay, go ahead and take it. All right, Josh, for the steal. That is Roberto Benigni. That is correct. Would not have known it. He did some crazy things at the Emmys as well. Yeah, didn't he like make out with Halle Berry without her consent? I I remember he did something that was crazy at the at the awards. That's why I remember his name. (laughs) Roberto Benigni. Yeah, that was a damn good movie though. Life is beautiful. Anyways, and the last question on the card. What Cardinals reliever? Oh man, you love Jesus. these questions. Just move on. Next. <laughs> Go to Josh. I don't like trivia, <laughs> and I hate the Cardinals. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> if either of you knows this, I will give you ten points. <laughs> what Cardinals reliever broke Kent Tekulve's major league career record for relief appearances? Was it? O.J. Simpson? That's correct. No, it's not correct. <laughs> I mean, I know he plays sports, so. <laughs> he, he does have an O in his name. Yep. Orlando Bloom. <laughs> nope. Josh? I mean, I think you. the real question everyone wants to know is uh, if they want to see me hit some dingers. <laughs> dingers! <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea. <laughs> it's Jesse Orozco, just in case... The listener at home wants to know. Okay. I have no idea who that so is. At the end of the first round, the score tally is Josh 4, Harold 2. And we are moving on to our second round. This card is for Josh, and it is also from the year 1999. Ooh. 
What nickname did Dr. Alan Zarkin earn for carving his initials on a patient after delivering her baby? Zorro? <sighs> yeah, I'm going to give it to you. It's Dr. Zorro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you knew it. <clears throat> Sorry, Dr. I mean. Zorro. I remember hearing about that and thinking, that guy, what? <laughs> <laughs> I am a benevolent trivia overlord. And second question, what company introduced the world's first internet view cam using MPEG-4 technology? AT&T? Incorrect. Damn it. Harold Chance to Steal. Hewlett Packard? That is also incorrect. The correct answer is Sharp. <clears throat> Make sure I pop that P enough. Sharp. You said Shart? Shart? <laughs> yes. Definitely said Shart. Shart is the company that makes view cams with MPEG-4 technology. Okay, Josh. Yes. What Maverick doc donned hospital scrubs for the last time on February 18th, 1999, pulling in 36 million viewers? Mm. And we're looking for the actor's name. Oh, uh... George Clooney. That's correct. Ha ha! That was when ER had its big finale. I had that one if you didn't. 1999. (laughs) Next question. What wine did Bon Appetit call a Romanian import you can really sink your teeth into? A wine? A wine. It was the name of a wine. Let's go with- From uh, 1999. Let's go with blood wine. That is incorrect. Yes. (laughs) Harold, do you have a guess for the steal? I, I don't. I have no idea. So the name of the wine is Vampire. Okay. I was on the right track. <clears throat> yeah, you're on the right track. No points for right track, though, unless it's, you know, Zorro. Dr. Zorro. Dr. Zorro. <laughs> you had this, the important part there. Anyways, what Fidelity moneymaker was the world's largest mutual fund for 20 years until the Vanguard Index 500 outgrew it? So this involves stocks? Yeah, I'm not going to know it, though. (laughs) (laughs) It involves Uh, late 90s stonks. Ooh, late 90s stonks. Late 90s stonks. I don't know. Goldman Sachs. I actually have no idea what what this is. No clue. Right, yeah. No, Harold, any care to... Yeah, no, I wouldn't wouldn't venture to guess. I I have no idea. I definitely wasn't paying attention to any of that back then. And I don't know about (laughs) mutual funds necessarily now. (laughs) Right. Well, the name of the mutual fund was the Magellan Fund. All right, last question on Josh's card. What one-named musician took the stage at Woodstock 99 wearing nothing but his bass? Flea. It's Flea. Oh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. All the other members had socks. (laughs) And all the other members did not play bass. Fun fact, not a fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. All they know how to do is write songs about California. That's it. I thought you liked California. I like California. I don't like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> well, fun fact, I do like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So, point deduction for Josh. They're a, they're a glorified jam band. That's all they are. You're a glorified jam band. You wish. I do wish. <laughs> that for seven hours. <laughs> okay, we don't have time to go into the incorrectness of that. So, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the current score is Josh with seven, Harold with two. Harold, for the win, you have to get all six questions right. All right. Let's do this. All right, what restaurant chain, known for big-breasted waitresses, was ordered by the EEOC to hire men? Hooters. Hooters is the answer. 
All right. Next question. What slimy video game has bad guys named Professor Monkey for a head, Evil the Cat from Heck, and Bob the Killer Goldfish? Earthworm Jim. Earthworm Jim is the correct answer. And the points are piling up on the board. Next question. What hit musical was subtitled a tap slash rap discourse on the staying power of the beat? <sighs> oh, man. <sighs> yeah, I wouldn't know. Josh, do you happen to know? Is it Stomp? It is not Stomp. Mm. The correct answer was bring in the noise, bring in the funk. Yeah, wouldn't have known that. <laughs> no <All> clue. Right. <laughs> Harold, there, there is still a chance to tie it, and then we will. I will come up with some sort of tiebreaker, pull it out of my ass hole. Okay. So that's what you're shooting for now. What restaurant chain cooked up the world's largest pot pie to launch its chunky chicken entree? Uh, KFC. KFC is correct. Oh, there we go. It's the only one I can All think right. of. Two points back, two questions remain. What booze outfit started serving tunes after buying MCA Records for $5.7 billion? Interscope? Interscope, the booze outfit. Oh, I'm sorry. Booze outffit. Uh, booze like, like alcoholic beverages. What booze I don't know. Outfit Anheuser-Busch? Started serving tunes after buying MCA Records for $5.7 billion. Anheuser-Busch is not the correct answer. Jash. You want to steal to add to your lead? Hmm... Coors? No, the correct answer is Seagram, home of the wine coolers. Oh, and yeah, I don't drink those. I guess gin. I don't know. But they bought a record <laughs> label in 1995. I forgot to say this card is from 1995. <laughs> oh, like that would have <laughs> helped any. I don't think that would have helped at all. I don't know why any of that would help. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Harold. To save a little face, last question on the card. What best-selling children's author acknowledges he's a literary training bra for Stephen King? R.L. Stein. That would be beloved children's author and friend of the show, R.L. Stein. Nice. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. He makes an appearance on another episode of Reliterated. So the final score after two rounds, Harold six, Josh seven. That was a nail biter. Yeah, that was close. I just happened to know 93 really well, apparently. (laughs) Apparently. Now, that was... I had fun, and it was a great way to kill time and add filler. All right. (laughs) It was a half an hour of our talk episode about our chapter on women's books. Yeah. (laughs) But the itch has been scratched. Right. I don't know if I said this enough times. I hate trivia. (laughs) (laughs) So we just wrapped up our chapter of the podcast. We had a theme throughout all the books, and that was a uh, female author wrote every one of the last five books we read. It was uh, pretty interesting that out of all the books one of them featured a uh, female leads. And maybe that's a uh, a product of the books that we chose, because I'm sure there's got to be plenty of books out there with uh, female characters in the lead. And you would think that they would come from female authors. We were shooting for, uh, you know, popular books that people would have read, or at least we would think people would have read. So we had, sure. you know, Mouse and the Motorcycle, My Side of the Mountain, books we knew, Indian in the Cupboard, 
um mm-hmm. and, and babysitter's, babysitter's club, club. Yeah, yeah ended up being well that's what i was getting to was babysitter's club ended up being the one that had female leads in it mm-hmm. and if we had gone with a different beverly cleary book like ramona quimby or right Beezus and her mama we'd have gotten uh uh, more of the the female perspective, I think, but you know, we went with the book that we all read and enjoyed as as young boys, and that was the Mouse on a Motorcycle. Right. Well, I think a lot of people read Mouse on the Motorcycle, though. I don't think it was necessarily oh, sure. just a, a boys' book. It just right happened that the leads were boys. I feel based on the time period that they were written, it seems like to me like if they would have used female characters, those books never would have gotten out because I don't know if it's just a sign of the times or what, but it seems like back then a lot more of the characters were based on, you know, based on males rather than females. That just might be my perspective as as well, but it just seems like if they would have tried, it might not have, they might not have gotten anywhere. I think that that you're correct of, of it being a sign of the times because, I mean, what's the likelihood that the head of the publishing companies at that time were women? The ones who were making the end-all decision on who was going to get published and who wasn't, what story was going out and what wasn't. Right. I mean, for the longest time, everything in pop, pop culture has been driven by men and the stories th- that uh, are being told and made, the, made a lot of money were men-centered, men-focused. It kind of goes on this expectation that boys go on adventures and girls wait in the wings for boys to make it back or not. <laughs> and take care of the youngins. Yep. Which as uh, as as great as the characters in the Babysitter's Club are and were, uh, it, it centers around the, the, like the female role of being the caretaker of children. Right. And I think we even mentioned when we were reading Babysitter's Club that it kind of sucks that we didn't read a book like that because I would have been fully capable. I, I did babysit my sister and my brother at that time, uh, what, or not that time, but a few years later, I was the regular babysitter of my sister and brother, and it never occurred to me to, mm-hmm. you know, go out and babysit other kids, which I was fully capable of doing at the time and make some money doing it. Right. It wasn't something that boys do. I mean, like not not as far as a uh, offering our services to other <laughs> families. Well, and I don't know that people would trust boys back then either. I don't know if they do now. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if they really do now or have any, or if it's in their best interest to trust boys. Right. right yeah. You, I think the <laughs> or assumption, if it ever was in their in their best interest to ever trust boys. Right. I think the assumption is that boys are going to be mischievous and they're gonna they're gonna just do bad things they might break something they might burn your house down who knows they're boys so right or just be lazy and let the kids get away with whatever and right not not discipline well or be a bad influence on the kids (laughs) (laughs) right or yeah do the opposite of what you would want in a uh, in the care caretaking of of a child and that is to encourage them to get into trouble you know and i do have to say that one time I was put in charge of a couple little boys and I took them down to a bike track and we were jumping bikes and one of them did get hurt. So, I mean, it's, 
<laughs> it was what it was even when we got back home you know i i mean obviously i i took him back home and like made sure he was okay and his mom got home and she wasn't mad she was like oh boys will be boys you guys are out riding bikes you know he's not he's not really hurt he just scraped his arm pretty good you know so mm. but i mean that was my idea was with no adults around and like nothing to do at the time we decided i decided hey let's get on our bikes without helmets and go jump four foot dirt ramps <laughs> as boys do right and then when the girls come around and say that they want to do it too, we laugh at them and say, you can't do that. You're a girl. You know, I wasn't so much on that, though. I had a little sister, and she had to come along with us to do a lot of things. So I never really thought of her as not being able to do things because I was like, no, you got to come too. <laughs> was she was she right there with you as far as, like, taking risks and doing all the... Uh, Je- Jesse was always down to do whatever whatever we were doing. She was in for it. And she was nine years younger than me. So, I mean, she was always, you know, huh. we went to do stuff. She wasn't really ever scared of anything. In fact, to the point that, like, you know, sometimes I think of w- with uh, Bruce, sometimes he gets so scared of doing things. And I just remember my little sister and how when she was just this little tiny thing, she was never afraid. But I think that actually speaks to the fact that it's a stereotype and not a truth. You know, the stereotype is that girls will be afraid of doing things or they they won't or they can't. And the truth is that any individual is capable of whatever they are capable of. Right. Like the role of the uh, the girl characters in these in these stories we grew up with is they were the the logical level-headed ones that were, uh, you know, kind of keep keep the boys out of trouble because the boys were off uh, goofing around, making bad choices, uh, being being goofballs, risk takers. Even the uh, Amanda, I think her name was, in the R.L. Stein uh, Welcome to Dead House, she went with her brother, but her brother was the one who suggested that they go out in the middle of the night. And her brother was the one running around chasing the dog, and she was like, be careful, what are you doing? You're being crazy. Right, yeah, I remember that. They were often there to kind of be the the logical anchors (laughs) to their brothers. Right, bring them down to earth. And I wonder whether that did anything to us to, like, always have young boys be portrayed as uh, kind of the the risk takers who didn't think too logically or just jumped into uh, into trouble where we could find them and we're just kind of inept at, uh, <laughs> at handling things, I suppose. Oh, there is something to be said for some difference. It's just such not the topic people get. So statistically, right, when ki- when kids are born, and I could be wrong in this, I, I'm not binging it right now. This is something I read years and years ago, and it was okay. a it was a scientific article. It was not just some random person telling me this stuff. I don't I don't repeat random information unless I've confirmed it. But so when children are born, like right now, say right, th- it's pretty much equal, like. 50% boys, 50% girls have, are pretty much being born right now within a, a margin of error, right? By okay. the time it hits the age of 18, the population of that group of children that was born will be 52% girls and 48% boys, as is the adult population on the planet, okay? Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. One of those reasons is that male immune systems are not 
as robust as female immune systems. Okay. And again, this is from a scientific article I read. I'd have to look it up and find it. But so we boys tend to get not ill more often, but illnesses can have harsher effects. For instance, my sister has cystic fibrosis, right? Now, she's almost 30 years old at this point, okay? That, her living to 12 when she was born was an unheard of thing, Uh, but there's been a bunch of advances, right? Boys that have cystic fibrosis are very much more likely to die in childhood. They are not likely to live. They, it uh, affects them much more, okay? But even back then, 12 was old for a girl, so it was really young for boys. So there's that. And then the other side of it is, is boys between the ages of 1 and 18 years old tend to have more accidental deaths because of their risky behavior. Now, could that be that, you know, we tell boys you have to go be risky? It, it sure could. But I don't tell Bruce and Clark they need to be risky. Clark is risky as hell. Bruce is not, <laughs> you know. Clark, I worry about because he's, you know, Bruce will fall and scrape himself. And he's like, uh, I don't want to ever do that thing again. Clark fell three times last week and scraped himself in three different places and just kept getting back up and doing it, you know. So now I don't know if I would say that that is specifically like XY or XX. You know what I mean? The whole chromosome thing, but definitely a mindset of some kind that causes people to be risky or not because whether or not I was told to be risky, I was not a very risky child. However, my brother was. Mm. Yeah. I can can agree with that. I wonder if that's the older brother, younger brother thing, because I'm, I wasn't as risky as my brother was either. Right. Older brothers tend to be more responsible because the second that your younger sibling is born and older sisters, I imagine, too, the moment that your younger sibling is born, the first thing your parents do is say, you have to take care of them. They start telling you that, you know, you need to take care of them. You got to watch out for them. They don't understand. And even though you're super young, you get this sense of responsibility like, oh, man, I'm responsible for this other person. And a younger sibling doesn't get that same sense of responsibility unless they have a younger sibling that comes immediately after them. So that could be it. That could be why I wasn't as risky and you weren't as risky. That's my that's my guess. There are definitely different uh, levels of uh, risk aversion or uh, you know, risk seeking out there. Right. Uh, but by boys, the numbers. Uh, yeah, by, yeah. 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 A lot of it has to do with like a whole, the whole uh, cultural thing of like be a man and uh, like threatening someone's uh, reputation of masculinity if, if they don't like go through with this dare to jump a bike off of something or whatever. Right. A lot of pressure in uh, this, this whole be a man thing. Like, do you, you don't, you don't want to be known as a wuss. You don't want to be known as a chicken. Who are you calling chicken? <laughs> yeah. Who are you calling a chicken? Did you just call me chicken? Nobody calls me chicken. Nobody. Yeah, that's a pretty big cultural uh, <laughs> touchstone of <laughs> don't back down. Which, I, I mean, I, Marty Marty McFly did, you know, that's part of his arc. He learned to not rise to that towards the end of three. And that's why we don't have flying cars, because he didn't get into that accident. Yeah. Right. Blame him. <laughs> Blame him. I wonder if the fact that uh, the boy, the kid was so young, he just, that's why he went out on his own in my side of the mountain. 
did he go out because he had he his rest faster was so low because there was so much other stuff because again he was one of 11 i believe one of in eight that family one of eight or one of one of nine because he was ninth yeah one of nine. he had, kids. He had yeah. eight siblings yeah yep so he was he was obviously one of the younger ones he wasn't the youngest because there was the baby but i wonder if that played mm-hmm. into him taking off as well with the he he was like well i the the risk aversion isn't as bad to me. Like I rather do this other stuff before mm. because I think I can do it. Yeah, that's an interesting choice that uh, a female author in 1959 made uh, to have uh, this child who runs away from home and makes it makes it on their own to have that be a boy instead of a girl because like this was about her fantasy of herself like running away from home and being able to make it right. Right. Yeah, I know it was it was based on her fantasy. The pre prelogue to the book is her talking about how she wanted to do that and never did. Right. I mean, and, you know, if if she wrote it today, like she probably would have had a young girl go out and survive. I would think maybe it was just a product of the times that uh, I don't know the protagonist was a was a boy child. When I was researching it, I found that the only, it wasn't even going to be released. The only reason it was released was because the editor had taken it with him on a trip. And the trip that he went on, he went and walked around in the woods. And that's when he realized that's what Sam was doing was he was getting out to escape. He wasn't doing it as a form of running away. Like, oh, I hate these people. I'm running. It's no, I can do this. So I'm going to show you that I can do it. And that's the only reason it was released. Because, again, they they were afraid that it would encourage kids to run away from home. And that's not what they wanted to do. And I never got the sense that Sam was running away from his family. Like, when his dad came to visit, he was excited to see him. And he was excited to see his mom and missed his mom while he was out there. So, it really wasn't about that. He didn't like modern society. He didn't like being lost in a crowd of people. Right. I mean, how could you like modern society at that time? They didn't even have smartphones, you know. (laughs) They had to communicate by Peregrine Falcon. Yeah. I did want to bring up one point in the book that we kind of skipped over at in the early stages of the book. He's like, well, if you just watch what the animals eat, then you'll know what what's good and what you can eat. That is not true. There are a lot of things that animals can eat that will kill you straight right. up kill you <laughs> like mushrooms, especially if you don't know your mushrooms, there's a good chance you're going to die. Mm. Right. And, and here's the thing. You know, you might not realize as you're watching an animal, you might think you know which animal is which, but what if an animal eats something, crawls off in its hole and dies, and the next day you see another animal that looks very similar to it? I saw two groundhogs standing on the side of the road today, and I couldn't have told you the difference between the two of them. You know, (laughs) they were both exactly the same. Imagine if one of those died, but I saw one not knowing there were two, and I'm like, oh, well, I can totally eat that because he ate it. (laughs) You know, no. Not the best. Dogs eat their own shit. I don't want to eat my own shit just because a dog eats his own shit. Right. Well, you'd probably also die if you ate your own shit. And not all dogs eat their own shit. And a lot of times there's a deficiency going on for the dog if they're eating their own shit, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And I I eat chocolate. Dog eats chocolate. That's no bueno. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, there was a severe lack of diarrhea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my side of the mountain. (laughs) In my side of the mountain, there should have been a lot more diarrhea. There should have been a lot more like the jungle saying no. The jungle says no. (laughs) Like he he got he had it way too easy. 
I mean, there were points in the book where I was reading it and I actually fell asleep because it was basically just like reading someone tell me this long story about how they did everything perfect. And I'm like, <laughs> no, no, bro, you didn't. <laughs> well, then again, though, if you're writing a journal about when you were surviving out in the woods, are you going to write about that time that you got a raw ass from all the pooping because you <laughs> the, you weren't yeah. ready for the water. <laughs> it's quite possible that Sam left that out of his uh, his birch bark diary. <laughs> yeah, well, because he was using birch bark toilet paper and he, <laughs> yeah, he, he was, didn't he used that page it. for something else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> should have found some velvet leaf. Now that's that's the trick right there. <laughs> Probably grabbed out of some poison ivy. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, I'm sad that we didn't find a free version of the movie My Side of the Mountain, but man, that trailer was bonkers. It was. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't watch the trailer, actually. You guys were watching it, and I didn't watch it at that same time. I should have. You didn't really miss a lot, but uh, like, it's a little bit different than the book. Like, It's in Quebec, and uh, he has a little uh, raccoon friend, apparently named Gus. And for some reason, he has leather gloves, like, right away. Like, he took them with him. I was like, okay, this is not the same as this book, for sure. No. He's got to make perfect fitting leather gloves out of a deer that he stole from a hunter. <laughs> these these gloves did were not perfect fitting, by the way. And he's climbing no, the side giant. of a mountain with these gloves. Like you can't you can't trust big loose fitting gloves to uh, to grab onto when you're rock climbing. And it no. was a sheer face. So yeah, climbing there up to the falcon nest. Cricks for him to get even his little fingers in there. And I don't know. I I just watched the trailer. Didn't watch the movie. It looked like he stole a like fully grown falcon. It's like he was talking to him like, "I'm your master now. I feed you now." <laughs> yeah. No. You need to. You need to get him as a baby. <laughs> a wild falcon is not gonna listen to you. I don't care how much you feed it. <laughs> <laughs> this kid was suspiciously well groomed the whole time. And like you look at this kid, and you do not believe that he's uh he's surviving out in the the woods himself. Yeah, no. I mean, you read the book and you don't believe he's surviving out in the woods by himself. I feel like he was writing it in his backyard. I'm living in a tree. (laughs) Sam, get your ass back inside. (laughs) I'll come back tomorrow, diary. (laughs) I didn't watch My Side of the Mountain trailer. I did watch Mouse on the Motorcycle, which was a wonderful nostalgic journey. So you got to see the mom with amazing 80s hair? Yeah, the mom with the 80, amazing 80s hair, the amazing uh, stop motion mice. Oh, yeah. That yep. voice that sounds like nails on a chalkboard for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that voice was terrible. Very weirdly processed voiceover. He mice. didn't he did not find an aspirin for him. He found a medicine called templo in that and it wasn't that the pill was so big that he had to shove it in the back of the ambulance it actually was in a uh case it was in a pill a pill container in the movie yeah. and they did have a little bit more harrowing adventure with the owl coming at him but i mean the the movie followed the book pretty closely i was i was impressed with how closely it followed the book yeah I, I caught lines directly from the page. Mm-hmm. And there. Yep, that was it was actually pretty fun. Not nearly as fun as the Indian in the cupboard movie. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. oh yeah. <laughs> oh. That movie. 
that one there's a scene where they're watching the the scene where boone is watching the the movie oh my god it was they just show a massacre they show native americans getting shot in the back in this movie from the 60s i'm just like wow that is insane to me i mean it's a movie that exists what i like about that scene is it, it adds uh it adds motive for uh, for little bear to uh, to shoot Boone. Mm, though, like sure. he's he's freaking out at all these these uh, Native Americans dying at the hands of guys with guns, and there's this cowboy right behind him shooting his pistol in the air, celebrating these <laughs> these deaths. And he's also like, seems to be like really confused by the television, which you know they don't even talk about in the book how how they might react to a. Uh, a magic box of images. Right. <laughs> sure and everything. So he's just kind of disoriented by the images on the TV and all the uh, the sound effects of the, the guns going off. And then there's a cowboy behind him when he's shooting his gun. So, yeah, he picks up his bow and arrow and shoots that guy. Yeah, it definitely made more sense in the movie. Like he looked like he wanted to defend his people from the on-screen cowboys. Probably the best part of the movie for me, though, like, and I wish they would have had more of it. But when they did a close up on Omri's face, when like Omri's face took up most of the screen and he would just be sitting there with a stupid smile on his face. Oh, my uh, God, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that you. Yeah, I think you texted us while you were watching it and said you think that half of the movie it was just a close up of Omri's face. I it was would pretty argue, fucking close to. I would argue that it was more than three quarters of the movie. It was a close up on Omri's face. It was uncomfortable. Right up on his face. Yeah. And here I am sitting like right in front of my sixty five inch TV with this yeah. big ass ugly mug of a kid right there. Yeah, it was so I not fun. A couple photos set to you. <laughs> Uh, they gave Little Bear a little bit more, uh, they made him a little more redeemable as well uh, by not having him have the lady brought in saying, you know, she has a family. He recognized that. And yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was not that, oh, uh, what about when Omri gets mugged? Like that was the weirdest mugging <laughs> I've ever seen. I don't, I don't remember it serving a purpose. It Either. didn't serve a purpose. It wasn't like we ever had any closure to that. This kid comes running out of nowhere and he's like, what do you got in the bag? Give me your change. I'm gone. It was just like, okay. <laughs> and Omri yells at him, you don't deserve that haircut. Yeah, you don't deserve that haircut. That's what he says to him. I'm like, what does that mean? And they were the, I think they were doing his close-up of his face when he said it. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, he was like returning from the hardware store with uh, like the stuff he was buying for his dad after Yo. like he yelled at him for stealing his sea tray and shit. He yelled at him, but he wasn't nearly as bad as he was in the book as far as getting after <laughs> right. the sea tray. Didn't flip his lid at all. No, he just sent Amra with some money to buy some stuff. I don't think that uh, that bully slash mugger even took the stuff that Amri bought. Just grabbed his change. Right. <laughs> Looked in the bags like, what is all this? Gave him back the bag, demanded his change, and, let, and like pushed him against the wall and uh, I guess gave him a boo-boo or something. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> Good thing you didn't punch him in the face. Then his face would have got even bigger. <laughs> right. 
Can you imagine seeing that face all bruised up and close up? I really my favorite scene is still when they when he puts all the toys into the cabinet and then <laughs> Makes them all come alive, and then there's like Darth Vader is fighting a dinosaur, and Robocop is fighting. So it's insane. I was just <laughs> yeah. like, wow. I still I love have all these. problems with that. Like, where do they get the souls for these toys? Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not sure about it, and and I still I'm still confused as to whether they just blink out for a period of time or if they they become plastic. That's probably the thing that ever since reading Indian in the cover when I was a child, that's all I really wanted to know. Did they turn into a giant hunk of plastic or <laughs> like, like I feel like the only other option is, and we talked about this in the episode is that they, they blink out for just a microsecond that no one would even notice. Right. So as soon as they pop back in, it's like they never left. So they kind of doctor clearly- who uh, rules it, where they go back to the, where he originally got the companion and it could be a few years later, but still it's, right. that's when he, they left. Right. But does it, you know, do, do they remember everything from the other side, you know, from being mm-hmm. with Omri? I hope not, man. They're going to be seeing his face in their dreams. Or is it like a Toy Story scenario where, like, they think they have these memories of, uh, like, being Buzz Lightyear at Star Command, but they're just a toy moving around? Could be. Ooh. I mean, they're like flesh and blood, yeah, but are they... Are their memories real? Like, that's what it would have to be if we have, like, shit like Darth Vader and a Tyrannosaurus Rex and, like, right. Predator or whatever shit <laughs> was in yeah. that. Robocop. And that and covered in that one scene. Yeah. Yep. It just kind of animated them and brought them to life, a la Toy Story, except without the rules that they can't move when the kid's around. <laughs> Specifically, they can move when the kid's around. Still didn't like Patrick. He almost got him in trouble again. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I like. either. I might have, I might have just like stopped paying attention for a while, but did Boone actually draw a picture in the movie or no? I don't believe that that scene made it to the movie. Okay. Yeah, that, I don't I don't believe that that was a part of it because they would have used. They did talk about the longhouse and how intricate it was because his brothers saw that. Yeah, right. I don't believe the Boone being an artist was a part of it. He was definitely a boohoo. He did cry a whole lot. Mm. <sighs> That guy was so just cheesy as fuck. Oh, oh yeah. He's acting Super cheesy. Just way over caricatured. Super <laughs> cheesy. <laughs> Getting all cross-eyed and just hammed it up. I hated him. Yeah, I didn't like him. I hated the movie. I'll tell you that much right now. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> Did you say you watched the uh, Willy, the new Willy Wonka, though? No, I watched the old Willy Wonka I watched Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory the other day, and I haven't seen it in years, and I realized it because I really appreciated Gene Wilder's delivery on a lot of things more than I did when I was a kid. His, uh, his sarcasm was years ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. No, he, he's a classic for that. Did he do that before or after Blazing Saddles? I believe... I don't know. Let's I don't bing know. it. I don't know when bing Blazing it. Saddles came out. Another great movie that it's 1974 for Blazing Saddles. And then Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is 1971. Okay, so he did Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory first. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Blazing Saddles is a terrible, 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 terrible movie for a lot of the stuff it says, <laughs> but it's a great movie. 
<laughs> well, it's a it's fully there to make fun of all of that. Oh stuff. yeah, absolutely. That's all well, it is. It's it's pure. Yeah. It's pure making fun of it. And it specifically has people that that those different stereotypes affect in the scenes fully like playing with the with the scene with those things. <laughs> I need a dime, please. Oh, somebody got a dime. Somebody's going to have to go back and get a shitload of dimes. <laughs> They're just kind of fucking the little the spot. What was it? A, to, a toll spot just a toll in the booth. middle of yeah. an, a toll booth in the middle of an open desert. <laughs> They're all stopped. Or the beans, when they're eating the beans and they're farting around the, the fire. He's like, hey, can we get some more tiger? Can we get some more beans? He's I think you've had enough. <laughs> See, Boone uh, fits in perfectly in Blazing Saddles. Oh, yeah. He, he, would that, be perfect he is that saddles. type of cowboy. Because you could see they'd have a, you know, instead of uh, Mogo, they would have a uh, a crybaby one, and that would be Boone. But instead, they went with the, the really stupid guy who actually is really smart. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who played Tagger, his name is Slim Pickens. He died the same year I was born. A month after I was born. Hmm. Hmm. You know what I wish they would make a movie out of? That unicorn book. Yeah, magic of the unicorn. So I could see oh my God, he, the magic. He was eaten by an anaconda. Slim Pickens was eaten by an anaconda. Yeah. Well, he was slim. He must have had buns, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, Magic of the Unicorn would make a great movie. We should make. We should make a Magic of the Unicorn movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did remake Man on Fire, and it was pretty fantastic, as I remember. I think it was uh, better than. The Denzel Washington vehicle. Oh, enchiladas. <laughs> <laughs> That's a movie that is lost to time, though. <laughs> I'm so sad that it's lost to time. I wish I knew where that VHS tape was. <laughs> and nobody listening to this, including one of the hosts, <laughs> knows, knows anything we're about, talking about it. No, you'll never, you'll never know. We used to make, we used to make movies. Uh, for no reason, like we, I, I would come up with some idea and we would make a movie because I had a video camera. <laughs> and they had some pretty good, pretty good edits for the fact that I was just cutting and I was using two VCRs to do all my editing. <laughs> it's true, you did. Remember when I made the ones where I'd, I'd change into the Spider-Man costume and I'd just flip into the Spider-Man costume? Oh yeah, those were <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> it was classic. Oh, I remember Spider-Man just randomly showing up at parties. So there's yeah, that too. Yep. <laughs> yep, that used to be a thing. <laughs> Whenever there was a party going on, Harold would get to a certain point of drunkness where all of a sudden I'd come walking out in my Spider-Man costume, masking everything, walking around talking to everybody. <laughs> uh. I I have a picture somewhere. I need I need to find it, and it's and I'll, if I can find it, I'll post it. It's a picture of you dressed as Spider-Man trying to ride a bike with two flat tires. Yeah, I remember so, that picture. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's a good I gotta picture. See this. Yeah, I'll yeah. try to find it. It's it's somewhere. I have it somewhere. So if you can find, find it, it, it should go up on the Reddit. <laughs> oh, it will as soon as I find it. So. Show your receipts. <laughs> now, are there any video game adaptations of any of these books that we recently did? I doubt it. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. I don't know how they could do a video game adaptation for any of them. 
I mean, I know that there's a Babysitter's Club game, but it's not based specifically on right. the ghost at Dawn's house. Not specifically on that one <laughs> novel, no, but there's like the uh, the Babysitter's Club Friendship Kit CD-ROM experience. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That was... Do activities and get to know the girls and... Yeah, so they had their they had their kind of merchandise run. Do you think Mouse and the Motorcycle would make a good video game? I think it actually would make a pretty good video game. I think they should make another movie. Yeah. Like I don't know why they would why they wouldn't. I think they did make Runaway Ralph into a movie. Well, I'm talking like they should make a movie with today's technology. Oh, they, they should the reboot it. Yeah, they should reboot that. Hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, think about it. Then they could make a video game off of it. <laughs> Right? I'll think of the movie tie-ins. Uh, well, I know that? that watching the old, old-ass movie that was terrible, just, I mean, it was good, but it was, it didn't look good compared to what we're used to. And Bruce laid here and watched the whole thing with me. We sat here and watched the whole movie, and he enjoyed it. I mean, mm. so, yeah, I'd show it to your kids, but, yeah, it'd be kind of cool if they rebooted that. Maybe we should get the toxic fandom together to uh, ask them to do it because apparently anytime fans ask for anything it's toxic so we can build one the toxic fandom of most in the motorcycle we just need a version of the movie where the mom has a decent hairstyle (laughs) (laughs) and there's our toxic reason (laughs) those those barrettes were just killing me (laughs) It was funny, like, how when uh, Ralph was driving around and he's, like, yelling as something was chasing him. I can't remember. It's just sticking in my head where he's like, ah, like, he would just, like, scream for, ah, that's, that's, yeah, like you're saying, nails on chalkboard voice that he had. Ugh. <laughs> and their arms were weird. Like even Bruce made that note. Their arms like, were so weird. He's like, "That's not what mouse arms look like." <laughs> I'm like, "What do you mean? Those are real mice." Yeah, they look they look weirdly elbowed and yeah, like their forearms were super long and yeah, yeah. That was the weird part. Was the forearms were so long. <laughs> well, Ralph's arms, uh, Ralph's hands had to reach the handlebars of the motorcycle. Yeah, we wasted all our budget on motorcycles. <laughs> Somebody threw together some mice. Well, hey, without the mouse and the motorcycle, we never would have got motorcycle mice from Mars. So, you think? biker mice from Mars? Yeah, it's biker mice from Mars. <laughs> Again, I don't remember very well, but I remember it happened. <laughs> I remember biker mice from Mars, but I don't think it lasted long. I don't think so either. I remember it of ex- existence and kind of wanting the toys, but never actually asking for any of the toys. Right, because I don't think it lasted long enough to care about the toys. I'm pretty sure I only saw a couple mice, or a couple mice, a couple episodes of it at all when I was a kid. And that yeah. was how things were back then. It was, you know, I was just talking with Josh the other day about this show. People were complaining because there's a new show on Netflix called uh, Jupiter's Legacy. And they released the whole season and it hasn't gotten great reviews i watched it i liked it it was fun yeah i I enjoyed it it was interesting it was a cool take on superheroes you know but netflix canceled it instead of going to a second season well the the last episode does not end in such a way that you would want it to be canceled okay Mm. so all these people are all upset and they're like oh netflix how dare you blah 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 
And I was telling Josh, you know, at least you get to have the whole first season. At least you have 10 or 11 episodes to enjoy if you like it, you know, because you can watch them a couple times if you want. I had the show I was watching on TV some years ago uh, when we first moved into the house and I watched the first three episodes. I loved the show. I couldn't wait. It had Christopher Maloney in it. And I can't remember what the name of the show was, but uh, it made it to the third episode. And at the end of the third episode, it gave the preview for the next week. And the next week came and a different show was on. And I'm like, okay. And so then the week after that, I tried to watch again. Different show was on. Finally, I looked it up somewhere and it was canceled. They just canceled the show. Three episodes in, a whole season had been filmed. They had filmed a whole season for the show. And they didn't, they never showed all of it. You saw three episodes. <laughs> was it a sitcom from 2014? It was Surviving Jack. Surviving I was Jack. It was called, it was called Surviving Jack. Yep. Yeah. And they say they gave you, a, yeah, let's see here. How many episodes does it say it gave? See, it shows eight episodes, but I'm telling you that after the third episode, because that dancer one was supposed to be the next episode, it's saying it released them. But I'm telling you, man, I was watching it and it just never came out again. Now, maybe it did make it more episodes than three, but I'm telling you, it was they had shown they had shown a preview for the next week's episode and it never came out. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Well, F to pay respects to surviving Jack. It looks like you can watch it on uh, the Fox website, so maybe check that out and see was if you it can on watch Fox? the rest of it. It, it says, was a show on Fox? It was on Fox, yes. That makes more sense then, because Fox does that all the time. That mm-hmm. that had to have been... That makes sense to me, because Fox is constantly releasing episodes, and then Christopher Maloney was in Dinosaurs? That's interesting. Hold on. We're off on a tangent if my phone will work here. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Bing. You know, this sounds like you know. This sounds like is useless trivia. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's important useless useless trivia. <laughs> it's important useless trivia because it's oh, important to Harold. <laughs> All of a sudden, my phone's not working. <laughs> it doesn't want me to know the fucking government, man. They don't want you to know that Christopher Maloney was in Dinosaurs. Christopher. They, yeah, and then, and then I pull it up on my computer. It says Dinosaurs cast. Christopher Maloney. <laughs> He's the first one. As Spike. Oh, he was Spike? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Interesting. That's crazy. I had no idea. So, yeah. Mouse in a motorcycle, biker mice from Mars, separated at birth. Mm. Maybe. Or just another attempt to cash in on the (laughs) Ninja Turtles fandom. Exactly. There street were a sharks. lot of uh, <laughs> there were a lot of attempts at uh, yes, these uh, street sharks <laughs> teams of animals, <laughs> oh. samurai pizza cats. <laughs> Man, they went through so many animals trying to recreate the magic that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had started, and it just never happened. Here's a piece of random trivia: Did you guys know that the same accident that blinded Daredevil? Supposedly is the same mutagen that transformed the Ninja Turtles. Hmm. I read that. I, I had heard I had heard that uh, that urban legend. I wonder if that's an Elseworld situation. Because I don't know that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are a Marvel comic. 
I know that they originally were not a Marvel comic, and I know that they have versed Batman, so that would suggest that DC owns them now. <laughs> well, they were originally, what, Mirage Comics? or I want to say Marvel at some point picked up the Ninja Turtles, though. No, no, that's not accurate. They, yeah, it was Mirage Studios that originally owned them. Um, it was it was written by a couple college students, and it was really violent originally. The first comics, and they were black and white. So, like, even the colorized versions, all of them wore red bandanas. They didn't have different colors or anything like that. He just knew which one was which by the weapon he was holding. Yeah, and they're actually owned by Viacom now. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean it. In the comics, I think that they're a little bit more violent, and then in the uh, in the cartoons, you know, of course there is violence, but they don't get so bad. Well, yeah, they're a lot more kid friendly now because, again, they're trying to sell toys and the cartoons right. and the movies, and that's how they got all their success. The toy line, man, I did love those toys when I was a kid. I Me had too. I had a Le- or a Donatello that had a it looked like a jet, and it would drop smoke-filled bubbles out of it. That thing was pretty cool. Never worked. Never, never worked. From the moment I got it to the moment I lost it, it never dropped a single smoke-filled bubble, but it was cool. It would go, but it would never drop anything. (laughs) It never once worked. My cousin had like all the turtle toys and he had the van and uh, the van did shoot the little cardboard pizzas out of it. Pizzas. Yeah. So we would terrorize his little brother uh, <laughs> by shooting the pizzas at him. <laughs> Sorry, Corey, if you're listening. Sorry we shot pizzas at you, but it was fun. One of my mom and dad's friends back then, he he bought all the turtle toys and he held on to them. Even later, like 10 or 15 years later, I actually worked with him and my dad at uh, at a shop. And he still had all of them. But what he would do is he'd buy the turtle toys and then Aaron and I'd be over there and he'd be like, hey, you guys want to see the turtles I got? And we'd be looking at him. And of course, we're like, open these toys up, dude. And he's like, no, no, no. Why are you showing them to us? You should hide them. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what kid wants? I can go to the store and stare at them hanging on the shelf in the packaging. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Like, why do you think this is cool for us? <laughs> you know, I want to make a note. That one thing I definitely noticed while reading all of these books in our chapter of books written by women is that if you were to have given me all of these books and not told me an author and just had me read them, I would not have been able to tell you if it was a guy or a girl that wrote it. I feel that's a sign of how good of a writer these people are. Well, and I think that that my my point to that is, is that there's no way to discern it. And I think that says something about the medium of, of writing to me, like, you know, all these other places we can be like, oh, you know, this you could say this male writer, this female writer, male actor, female actor, male basketball player, female basketball player. Right. But it, in a, the point of a book where you're just reading a story that's written um, yeah, I don't know how anybody could try and say one or the other would do a better job because they were good books, just like the first set of books were good books. And in th- that first set of books, too, had I not known who the authors were, I couldn't mm-hmm. have told you. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing about books. I guess it just kind of hit me while I was I was thinking about like 
bringing a point to the fact that we just did a whole chapter of books written by women and <laughs> we're talking about Ninja Turtle toys. <laughs> <laughs> the thought did occur to me that, yeah, no, we, uh, we did our due diligence talking about gender stuff and, <laughs> and like girls versus boys and how <laughs> like they think logically and we don't or whatever. It's like, yeah, it was bullshit. But then here we go. Our conversation degrades to uh, a dead sitcom and <laughs> Ninja the Turtle Ninja Turtles toys. toys we had. <laughs> Wait, well, hey, so to, re- to recap, we did 30 minutes trivia and then, yeah. and then we moved on to talking about uh, risky behavior or not risky behavior, whether it was a boy or girl thing. <laughs> and then Omri's face took up a good 15 <laughs> minutes <laughs> right up at the front of the mic. <laughs> and, of course, it comes back to Ninja Turtle toys because I think at the end of the day, doesn't everything? That's what it's all about. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Cowabunga. Toy Empire. So yeah, no, it's a good point. Like it really didn't make any. It, it really didn't matter to me. Like these stories, like the gender of the the author, they didn't really make a big deal about anybody's gender. I mean, barring kind of kind of like the Babysitters Club, because that had the reputation of being for girls, because it was starring a whole bunch of girls, and it was about babysitting, which was for girls. <laughs> And that's not technically for boys or whatever, but uh, uh, these stories about a mouse, like a boy and his mouse friend and a boy and his little Indian friend and a boy and his falcon friend and <laughs> and and us and our unicorn friend, us and our unicorn friend. And these were just the stories that we chose again, like true. There, there's probably other stories we could have uh, could have read by female authors featuring female protagonists. I think at some point we need to hit a chapter of female protagonists. Mm-hmm. I agree. And maybe that's where that um, what's the island one? Oh yeah, that, the uh, Island of the Blue Dolphin. That suggested. Yeah, Island of the Blue Dolphin. Yeah, that one's written by a man, but. Uh, the main protagonist is is a girl. It would be interesting to do one chapter with males writing f- female protagonists and another chapter with females writing female protagonists and see if there is a mm. difference. <laughs> <laughs> mm. There's a whole thing about men writing women. <laughs> oh, I know. That's why I'm saying. A we have whole to find world of discussion around books. that. <laughs> good books. We're good yeah, examples but I mean, of it. But think about it. I mean, like, again, we talk about, like, R.L. Stein writes writes female protagonists all the time. And right, I think yeah. he seems to do a pretty decent job of not really making it about gender roles when he does it. Mm-hmm. I mean, two. I read. I read uh, one day at Horrorland, and then we all read Welcome to Dead House. Now, both of those, the main character is female. There wasn't no way any point that throughout either of those books where they laid on a gender role for for the main characters, the main main protagonist in the book. They were just having an adventure and and going through it. And at no point were they like, but I'm a girl, so I can't do this or that, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of what I'm thinking of thinking about around the conversation of like men writing women or whatever. Playboy it, it articles. Comes into play. <laughs> well, yeah, no, um, <laughs> but it, it really comes into play in like grown up like adult uh, 
uh, like novels written for adults and, you know, stuff, stuff where like sex and romance and, uh, everything surrounding that comes into play. I mean, these are children's books about children and right. this is before any of that it's, it's supposed to, uh, to enter into the world. So these are just kids, uh, interacting with their world or like the supernatural around their world or whatever. It would be a much of, bigger problem if that was entering into these books. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when you when you have innocent tales of kids being kids and the stuff that they get into, uh, there's really, and probably rightly so, not a whole lot of gender stuff that comes into play other than like, are, are they babysitting? Are they taking care of a a kid are they like wearing a dress or are they do their aspirations include like going to the mall or like who kissed what boys or whatever i don't know why that one has to be a gender role i used to love going to the mall i rode my bike to the mall all the time and walked around the mall just because i wanted something to do <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know how that i don't know how that plays into anything <laughs> Breaking stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, let's go shopping! <laughs> now you can't there because there's like four stores. <laughs> now malls are dead. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what. I feel like my side of the mountain, and then having a choose your own adventure game uh, or a book, uh, right back to back, two things without any issues. It's really made us rusty about tackling issues because we really didn't like. We're having a hard time hitting issues here to tackle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the issues. My tackle game is off. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking tackles. Just getting stiff-armed by these issues. It's rough stuff, man. Well, I think that we should tackle wrapping up this episode. Since yeah, let's uh, drop the landing gear on this uh, yep. on this jet plane. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. So... That was chapter two of Reliterated, the podcast. We're going to move on to our next chapter next week, and we are going to be starting a sci-fi-themed chapter next. I'm pretty excited for this one. I think this is going to be fun. I don't think that we're going to have a lot of uh, issues, but sci-fi is something that we all really enjoy. Mm-hmm, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, what I'm I, pretty I sure. read outside of this is <laughs> urban fantasy, which is magic and modern day stuff. That's that's kind of my jam. Well, our first title that we're covering in this sci-fi chapter is probably somewhat up your alley, Josh. We're going to be reading A Wrinkle in Time. Indeed. Which is pretty heavily in the fantasy genre, too, but it also gets somewhat science-y. Yeah, Obviously, we've already started reading it. It's quite a long book, but there is a lot of science and numbers and physics, which is hard for me to wrap my mind around because I'm not good with the numbers, but (laughs) it's a fun read thus far. (laughs) Yeah, I'm having fun as well, probably about halfway through it. Uh, we're going to see whether there's enough to uh, to cover a multi-part episode uh, with our next next time uh, we come together. So uh, we shall see when we get there. I'm about halfway through it as well, and I realized at halfway through it that I had taken this book back to the library at almost exactly the point I'm at right now <laughs> and have never actually finished Wrinkle in Time. And I thought I had. Oh. I thought I had finished the book. I believe I checked out the audiobook and listened to it a few years ago, but I really didn't retain much. I just kind right. of 
at this at this point in my life, I was like just putting in audiobooks to have something to listen to on my commute, mm-hmm. not paying a heck of a lot of attention to it. So yeah, now I'm actually reading uh, the book with pages and everything, and pages and everything. I'm definitely more invested in the story. Yeah, made out of dead tree and shit. Ooh, I like dead yeah. trees. Kill them all, I say. <laughs> <laughs> I I buy my books from thriftbooks.com. Because I like having a little keepsake for every episode we do. And you can find just about anything you want for pretty pretty cheap there. Except for Metal Gear. <laughs> except, yeah. For, yeah, cert, except for certain titles that are a little bit more specialty. I would like rare, to but. do that. I actually, I actually should probably start trying to get a hold of cheap copies of these books to like make a little shelf to put them on for this. Mm-hmm. Also, you can underline passages and... Make little notes in the margins. Well, I can I can highlight and make notes. Yeah, you can highlight stuff yeah. in the Kindle stuff. Yeah. yeah. But that smell, the smell of, of ink on paper. And... Ooh, that smell. <laughs> Can't you smell that smell? <laughs> but anyways, yeah, we are going to be kicking off our sci-fi chapter with A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Langle. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Madeline Langle. Langle, maybe. If Is it's... it Madeline Craighead Langle? Madeline Craighead Langle, yes. <laughs> Everybody's middle name is Craighead now. From here on out, Craighead is the name. So from Andy Craighead Harrington, Harold Craighead Miller, and Josh Craighead Hazard, <laughs> we are going to bring this uh, episode <laughs> to a close. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Google Podcasts, or any podcast app that pulls from these sources. And give us your reviews. Give us your ratings. We need some more. We want we want a larger audience. So, uh, yeah, give us some stars and reviews and all that. And subscribe and all that stuff that you know y- you hate hearing from YouTubers. Like and subscribe. <laughs> and tell your friends, and then tell them to tell their friends. Yes, and then th- and then they'll tell their friends, and everybody will send the money up to the, the top of the pyramid, which is us. Ways are we are we doing a one of those pyramid scheme things with this? No, because we no, don't even have Patreon no. yet. So yeah, mm, yeah. I don't, There's no I, money involved yet. No money involved yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> so we just like hearing from our friends. Uh, about specific episodes and when they tell us that, uh, you know, they enjoyed a certain certain thing from a certain episode that they heard. So, yeah, we get a real kick out of interacting with our fans. So, yeah, send us those emails as well. And we would really like to know what's what's working for you, what's not working for you. How can we improve or are we doing so well that you just can't stop listening and you're so busy listening that you're not telling your friends about our episodes, you know? <laughs> And let me know if you like Andy's ask hole. Yeah. <laughs> I know Harold didn't like it so much. Because so. he may do that with other people, but Harold doesn't <laughs> want to be involved. <laughs> Listeners, I'm asking you to save my ask hole. <laughs> Anyways, that's going to do it for us for this week. We'll see you next week with A Wrinkle in Time. Give a shit, read some lit. Thanks. Gracias a todos. Ooh. Stealing my sign off, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> this podcast ain't big enough for the both of us. I'll just start doing different languages. <laughs> That's how I'm going to do it. It will be way easier. Next time I'll use Esperanto. <laughs> <laughs>